Listener Production. Hey there, I'm Ben Sion Siebert. Happy Friday and welcome to your afternoon edition of The Briefing. The US Supreme Court has a massive decision to make, whether to kick Donald Trump out of the US presidential election. It follows a decision of Colorado's top court that Trump is ineligible to be on the ballot in that state. In a hearing overnight our time, Supreme Court justices quizzed lawyers on both sides as to whether they should uphold that decision and potentially kick Trump off the ballot across the country. Why? Well, it comes back to the violent scenes. You might remember three years ago when on January 6th, just after Donald Trump lost the election to Joe Biden, Trump supporters stormed the US Capitol to try and stop the peaceful transfer of power. Trump critics argue that he incited that attack, which has been described by many as an insurrection or a rebellion. And the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution says that insurrectionists don't get to return to power after they've betrayed their oath of office. The key question for the Supreme Court now is, what's worse for American democracy? Allowing a guy who arguably threatens that democracy to potentially be president again? Or an unelected court stripping voters of their right to choose the president of the United States? Dave Leventhal is the editor-in-chief of Raw Story, and he joins me from Washington, D.C. Dave, talk us through what's happened at the Supreme Court over the past few hours. So the Supreme Court had a absolutely critical question before them, and the crux of it is, is Donald Trump constitutionally eligible to be on the ballot in the state of Colorado? Now, mind you, we have a very protracted system here in the United States or presidential candidates basically have to go state by state by state and have individual contests that lead up to being nominated for their party. And the state of Colorado has said effectively, and their state court has approved this, that Donald Trump is not eligible because of his actions leading up to the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. In short, they say he's an insurrectionist, and the Supreme Court has that question before them right now. Right. And if the court did decide that he wasn't eligible in Colorado, would that also apply elsewhere? It's quite possible. And that's part of the argument that Trump's counsel was making. And more importantly, some of the questions that the Supreme Court justices, the nine of them, were asking both to Trump's counsel uh, and uh, also to opposing counsel, which is, well, to what end would this go? And should Colorado have the right to determine the constitutionality of Donald Trump's presidential candidacy as a presidential candidate here in 2024? And the justices, all nine of them, at least to some regard and in some respect, had some skepticism or expressed some skepticism about whether this should happen and whether Colorado does indeed have this right. Hmm. So the justices seemed sceptical, or or at least most of them did, of this idea that Trump should be kicked off the ballot in Colorado. But the section of the Constitution that this relates to, Section 14, is about stopping someone who's taken an oath of office and then been involved in some way in an attempt to overthrow the US government. Isn't that exactly the sort of person that should be captured by this section of the Constitution? A lot of people who don't like Donald Trump think so and believe so very adamantly. And and 
we have to step back, I think, for just a moment to talk about the history of this particular part of the Constitution. The 14th Amendment and Section 3 in particular of the amendment dates back to just after the Civil War. So the context in which this was approved and ratified very much uh, in a Civil War era, talking about uh, whether people who were fighting for the Confederacy against the Union uh, were able to uh, achieve office in a way that uh, would have been possible prior to them being insurrectionists, uh, literally going to war against the United States. But this is what we have in the Constitution, and the application now, in its modern sense, is to Donald Trump. Now, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Donald Trump, he didn't need go and inspire an insurrection. Well, that argument is out there. But at the same time, too, Donald Trump has not been charged in any of the cases that are pending against him, specifically with insurrection. So, so it's a pretty large hurdle that those who are trying to get Donald Trump kicked off the ballot are having to clear here. Donald Trump has been charged with a lot of things, mind you. He's got four felony criminal cases pending against him. There are 91 different counts among those four cases. He has civil cases that are pending against him. There's a question of whether Donald Trump is immune or not and enjoys presidential immunity for any and all of this. That too is pending. So there's no lack of legal action and, and that, that could hurt Donald Trump in a major way. But as is often the case in the Supreme Court of the United States, they're dealing with a per very particular part of the law and a particular part specifically of the Constitution that has the, the riddle has to be solved there. And that's what the Supreme Court is trying uh, very much in earnest to do. Let's say the court surprises us and does take Trump off the ballot. What would that mean for the US if that happened? It would be truly surprising if that happens. I think uh, most legal watchers and, and people who listen to the oral arguments, which spanned more than two hours, uh, believe that this is going to go in Donald Trump's favor and that, in fact, Donald Trump is going to be victorious. So even the liberals on the Supreme Court, uh, they seem to be showing some skepticism, Elena Kagan uh, in particular, uh, as to whether Colorado has this right. So just to get that out of the way, it would be a shocking decision if the Supreme Court did this in the first place. But let's say they did. What would happen? I don't think we actually know what truly would happen. Uh, certainly, this would have ramifications if the Supreme Court went to its full extent and basically said, the Colorado ruling as it is, it is upheld. But that seems highly unlikely, highly, highly unlikely at this point in time. And even if the Supreme Court did rule in Donald Trump's favor, they do have the option of, of having, a again, a ruling that's going to be more narrow than, hey, he's off, he's gone, Colorado wins the day, and it affects everywhere in the United States. And let's remember, too, that a Supreme Court ruling can be very broad or very narrow, depending on how the justices in their ruling tailor the decision. What do we know about what Donald Trump might do or would do in a second term in office? And why is it that for a lot of commentators, there's more worry about a second term Donald Trump than what he did in his first term? The people who are most concerned about a second term for Donald Trump are concerned about democracy its very self. And they're making the argument that nothing less than 
democracy is on the ballot in 2024, that this is not just a race likely to be Donald Trump, the Republican, versus Joe Biden, the Democrat, but an autocrat versus somebody who would be a president in Joe Biden who upholds the the spirit and the thrust of true democracy. Again, you can agree with that or not agree with that, but but that is the argument coming particularly from the left and from Donald Trump detractors to say that he has literally said on day one he would like to be a dictator, that Donald Trump's record of cozying up with other autocrats, his willingness to not abide by laws that he doesn't feel apply to him, the fact that he is has this massive legal cloud hanging over his head, are all reasons why Donald Trump should not be on the ballot, and that voters, if he is on the ballot, should reject him. But there's roughly about half the population that doesn't quite feel that way here in the United States, and believes very strongly that the voters should ultimately decide who the next president of the United States is, and that ultimately this is something that should be decided at the ballot box and not inside a courtroom. Mm. From the outside, it seems incredibly high temperature, chaotic. What's the feeling like on the ground in Washington, D.C.? Does it feel like there's actual risk of some kind of conflict or violence if the result goes a different way than people are thinking? So I live here in Washington, D.C., and frankly, we're more concerned here in D.C. about uh, the high rate of carjackings that are taking place and other types of crimes that have absolutely nothing to do with Donald Trump. So, But to your point, I do feel that no matter where you go across the country, it is an incredibly tense time in the United States. It's a very polarized atmosphere. You have people who are divided and not just theoretically or philosophically, but families, literally, that uh, that are going through an incredible tumult because of the politics of the members. Uh, it, it gets very personal. Christmas was ruined for a lot of people this year, I can tell you that. And and that's just the, the, the unfortunate reality of politics in the United States, but it is reflective of the true division that we have. And That was seen in the 2016 election, which was incredibly close. And we saw that in the 2020 election, which was not quite as close, although still very close. But the aftermath of that election uh, bubbled up into something that was truly unprecedented and as dark as you could get when Donald Trump refused to accept the results of the election. And people believed a lie that the election had been stolen, that the election was rigged. And even though there was no evidence of anything of the sort happening, many people in the United States believed it then. They continue to believe it now. And as a result, we have a polarized country in such a major way. And we have Donald Trump and Joe Biden 2.0, the replay that is likely going to happen again. So you can imagine when you stack all of those things up together, uh, how tense things can be and how daily life can be quite literally affected by the the notion of who is going to be in the White House and who won't be. When do you think we might have an answer from the Supreme Court on this? Uh, we're expecting an answer pretty soon here. It, it could be literally in a matter of days. It almost certainly is going to be within uh, one month's time, less than that, because Colorado, the, the vote that will be taking place for the presidential primary there, is in early March. Ruling's going to have to come soon. 
The Supreme Court is usually quite a deliberative body, and they will rule when they see fit, but this is going to be definitely on a fast track. And the historical marker that we could kind of point to here would be the Bush v. Gore, Al Gore versus George Bush, and 2000, the year 2000, when uh, that uh, ultimately was decided within a day by the Supreme Court, who effectively was going to be president of the United States. And it, of course, was George Bush. Well, we're all watching with uh, fascination. Thanks so much for your time, Dave. And um, we'll keep on watching this into the future. My pleasure. Hey, thank you. Dave Leventhal there. And that's all we have time for in this Friday afternoon edition of The Briefing. Check your feed again tomorrow when Antoinette Latouf will interview former Paralympic swimmer and wheelchair basketball champion Ellie Cole. It's a fascinating chat. Don't miss it. And on Sunday, Tom Tilly will be back for his first weekend briefing of the year. Tom, tell us what you've got for us. Starting off with a real cracker, Josh Thomas. He's the Aussie comedian. Um, he's only 36, but he's been on our screens for almost 20 years now, starting out with uh, talking about my generation on Channel 10, and then he had his series, Please Like Me. And he's been in America since then, but he's coming back to Australia with this really interesting show. It's called Let's Tidy Up, which is on the surface about how messy his house is, but on a deeper level, about his journey with ADHD. And he was diagnosed nine years ago. So with all the growing awareness in recent years, that makes his perspective really interesting. Thanks, Tom. In the meantime, if there's a story you want to hear on the show or you have feedback for us, hit us up on Instagram by searching The Briefing Podcast. Send us a DM and hit follow. I'm Ben Sion Siebert. Have a great weekend. <laughs>